0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Churches podcast. can sometimes rub our flesh the wrong way. But I promise you this, if you'll stay in his word, you won't be confused. If you stay in his word, you won't be sucked in. If you stay in his word, you'll never lose your identity because if you stay in his word, you'll continue to speak his language. And as long as you speak his language, you'll know the facade that's being set before you is not real at all. That it's just a place of confusion that will lead to Destruction. remember the God that I serve. It's the same God that saved me when I was a little boy. It's the same God that's keeping me as a 52 year old man. He's not changed and I'm not confused about who I'm serving and I will stand on his word and on his promises. God bless you. Why don't we stand? Again, turn to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Anybody in here uh, have trouble with your eyes? Anybody that doesn't have glasses on today that you need to have glasses? (laughs) Uh, A few people, I don't need glasses, (laughs) you know. (laughs) They can't read street signs or... You know we 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 tried to at least I did I tried to ward it off for as long as I could, but vision is one of the most important things that a person can have. We have a lot of things, but if I lost my sight i would be I would be very very disheartened um, I didn't have an issue until into my thirties, and even then it wasn't that bad but there came a point in time when I had to realized some things that if i was going to be able to uh, function i was going to have to be able to see better than what i was uh, 30s 40s even wasn't bad 50s kind of snuck up on me and the next thing i knew i was talking to my wife this morning i said man i'm hurting every joint in my body hurts this morning i'm rolling out of bed and then i got to start putting myself together you know I, I didn't have these you know even a year ago but i, I In order to hear you, (laughs) I didn't have them on the other day, and these hearing aids. And uh, my daughter said something, and I totally—I don't even remember what it was, but it was way out there. She's like, "Dad, do you not have your hearing aids on?" I said, "Matter of fact, I don't." She goes, "Yeah, it's obvious." So, you know, I started putting myself together, you know, I tried cheaters until I got tired of everything being blurry. So, I went and got some new glasses not too long ago, and man, it opened up this whole new world to me, you know. <laughs> I always thought you had red hair, Hannah, I mean, no, I'm kidding, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, i I, I I can see things that I couldn't see before. Everything is much more clear to me and old glasses had me swerving driving home. That's what really got me thinking, uh, you know, like dear, you know, and I'm swerving over to the other other lane and that, no, I get up there closer, it's just a mailbox, you know. <laughs> so I thought maybe it's time to to put my pride down, swallow my pride and go get me a pair of glasses that I can see out of and because i realized that not being able to see clearly brought a lot of confusion into my life i saw things that i thought were other things and i was going to get myself hurt if i didn't be careful so my message today i've just titled it seeing clearly through the confusion seeing clearly through the confusion this world is a place of confusion folks whether you realize it or not and a lot of people, they get caught up in the confusion. And they think that that they're seeing clearly just because their their life is just as chaotic as the rest of the world is. But the reality of it is, is that God has called us to be separated from the world. And to see things differently, not through the, the vision that the world has to offer. Not through their their glasses, but through God's glasses. Even the Bible says that we see dimly, but... Even seeing dimly through the word of God is better than seeing wrongly through the vision of the world. And so I want to take you to Daniel chapter one. It reads like this, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine, which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. My key portion of that scripture is he purposed in his heart. Seeing clearly through the confusion. I want to explain some things to you about the day and the hour in which Daniel was living and how it's not too much different than the day and the hour in which we live today and how God wants us to see beyond what the world is giving us as a facade to look at today. Amen. Why don't we bow our heads let's pray a quick prayer over this word today in the name of Jesus. Lord, right now we ask God that those that are in our midst today, God, maybe they are caught up in some confusion. Maybe there might be some here today, Lord, that just need some clear direction. They need to hear a true word, God, out of your word today that might help some of the things that might be muddy in their mind be cleared up. Lord, I thank you today, God, that your word gives us clear direction. God, that it can help us to see clearly through the confusion and the chaos of this world that we live in. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And would you say amen as you're seated? God bless you today. If you read the book of Daniel, you'll see that the the book of Daniel is a very interesting uh, era in the history of the world. Interesting time. It was in Daniel's uh, lifetime which was about 600 years before Christ came onto the scene in which a prince of Babylon became commander and chief of the armies of Babylon. That young prince in the spring of that same year marched his armies down through Egypt and Assyria and he began conquering everyone and everything that crossed his path. He was a very powerful young man. He was a very powerful commander, and he began to make a name for himself, a name that I'll uh, give to you in just a moment. By the year 597 B.C., this young commander had moved into Judah and finally then on into Jerusalem. And on March the 16th, year 597 B.C., this same crown prince, now king of Babylon, accepted the total surrender of uh, king Jehoiakim, king of Judah and Jerusalem. It was a sad time, a sad day for the, for the city of God. It was a sad day for the people of God, for the, the Hebrew children, because now they found themselves under the rule of this king that had defeated everything and everybody around him. This king would go on to reign over most the most powerful empire in the world for the next 43 years. This king's name was a name that you have probably heard of if you've heard very much preaching at all. He gets brought up quite a bit. It was King Nebuchadnezzar. And it was during his reign that Nebuchadnezzar helped build the city of Babylon into the most formidable fortress city the world had ever known. This city, Babylon, was surrounded by 50 miles of double wall I would call that quite a feat. Now, we've got a president today that's trying to build a wall, and we see how much trouble and controversy that is taking place over that decision and that desire. But this king, he had nobody that would uh, that would uh, come against him. What he said went. He was a victorious king. I'm sure that he had commanders under him that got the job done. And so it was by his reign and by his design that these walls were built around this city. The waters of the Euphrates River were diverted, and they formed a moat around the mighty walls. The city had eight gates. Every single gate was very impressive. But there was one gate that stood out, one gate that was different than all the rest. It was named the Ishtar Gate. It was not made of stone as the other seven were made, but it was a beautiful blue tile in which it was made out of. It was set apart from the other gates of the city. And just beyond the Ishtar Gate, you would find one of the seven wonders of the world. It was the hanging gardens of Babylon, which Nebuchadnezzar built for his homesick queen. You could look upon that garden. You could see its beauty. You could tell that it didn't really belong, but it was there nonetheless because a king desired for it to be there for the one that he loved. You would never expect to find a beautiful forest covered mountain in the middle of a fortress city. But just beyond the Ishtar Gate, that's exactly what you would find this beautiful hanging gardens of Babylon. Everything about it was gorgeous. Everything about it screamed that there was someone that had some expectations that were put into place to cause order and beauty to become. In the center of the city, there was a beautiful bridge that was supported by beautiful Brick pillars linking the old part of the city to the new part of the city. Towering over that bridge, you would find this massive 30 story building called the Ziggurat. At the top of the Ziggurat, you would find a temple. It was devoted to one of the Babylonians' many gods that they served. It was in that era of time that there was no other city on the face of the planet that was as impressive as the city that Nebuchadnezzar had built called Babylon. People came from everywhere to see the hanging gardens. People came from all around. They wanted to live there. It was the Mecca. It was the place in which things were seen and heard that you couldn't find anywhere else. On the surface... It was a beautiful place. It was impressive. And one of the things that I find very interesting about the city of Babylon was that in the ancient Akkadian language, Babylon means the gateway of the gods. You could go there and speak to those that were residents and you would ask them, what does Babylon mean? And they would say city of the gods. Gateway of the gods. They would certainly leave an impression upon you that they had built and created something that you couldn't just find anywhere else. Come to the city of Babylon and you'll find order. Come to the city of Babylon if you want to be impressed. Come to the city of Babylon if you want to see things that you cannot find anywhere else. The city of Babylon definitely looked like a gateway to the heavens. Because of its beauty. Yet in the Hebrew language. In Daniel's Daniel's language. Babylon means something entirely different. For in the Hebrew language. Babylon does not mean gateway to the gods. But Babylon means confused. It simply means confusion. Confused, know this this morning, the world defines things differently than God does. The world calls things differently than what God calls things. Amen. What the world may look at and call restrictive, God might look at and call a safe zone. Amen. What the world defines as freedom and liberty, God might look at that and say, that is what I would call spiritual bondage. Because in order to understand the reality, you had to speak the right language. Daniel is caught up right in the middle of everything that the world says is the gateway to the gods. But Daniel doesn't speak the same language that they speak. Daniel serves a different God. Daniel serves a different king. And so Daniel looks at everything that's around him and he says the world may see this as the gateway to the gods, but all I'm seeing as a child of God is a bunch of confusion. And so Daniel sees things differently than everyone else sees them. He's caught up right in the middle of confusion. And yet in Daniel chapter 1 verses 3 through 5, the Bible says the king spake to the master of his eunuchs that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Children whom there's no blemish. They're well favored. They're skillful. They're wise. They're cunning in knowledge. They understand science has such An ability in them to stand in the king's palace and bring those whom we might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. (laughs) Listen to this. Nebuchadnezzar said, "I want you to. Now that we've overthrown Jerusalem, I I don't. I want to keep everything that is good." I want to keep everything that will help us. I, I want to keep their gold and their riches. I want to take what we can from from Jerusalem, and I want to take what we can from all these places that we have been victorious over, and, and not just their material things, but I want you to bring me the best and the brightest of their young people. He didn't ask for all the older ones, but he definitely wanted the younger ones. And, and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were approximately... 14 15 16 years old somewhere in there when the king goes through the uh nebuchadnezzar says i want you to go back to all the young people that were princes and served in the royal palace and were part of royalty and i want you to uh, if you see something in them i want you to bring them to me because they have been schooled and they have knowledge and they're wise and they're good looking. They don't have any blemishes on them. They come out of Jerusalem. They come from the Hebrew people, but you give them to me for a little while and I'm going to teach them how to speak a new language. I'm going to teach them to talk like we talk, to think like we think. You see, it was the custom of King Nebuchadnezzar to take the, the finest things of every land that he conquered and bring those things into his palace. And so he brought these young young men in. And the scripture records the name of these four children. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These four boys that he brought in, they were of royal blood. They weren't just commoners. They weren't just people that he took uh, on a, on a chance. But they were young men that had royalty in their blood. He says, you give them to me for three years. I'll put them in a three-year training program to learn the customs and the language of the Chaldeans. I'm going to teach them a new way to look. I'm going to teach them a new way to talk. And they'll become one of us. And they'll forget who they ever were before us. And it was quite a temptation, I'm sure, because quite honestly, you think about it, he wasn't offering them uh, slavery. He was offering them royalty. He didn't bring them in and teach them how to serve him, but he was teaching them how to become leaders in this new kingdom. If he could just change the way that they thought and the way that they spoke, he could make them just like him. They would live in the king's palace. They would eat from the king's table. They would sit and learn from the king's counselors. They would have all the advantages of a prince. Captivity wasn't looking so bad for these four boys. You know, a takeover sometimes isn't always a bad thing. Depends on how you look at it. I can remember 30 years ago. I just got hired on in the company that I worked for in the secular world, Federal Express, and they were a relatively young company. I think they'd been around maybe 17 years by that point. And so they were still relatively uh, a young company, but they were very well known and highly respected. And in the domestic, uh, United States, you know, they were, they were becoming, uh, iconic, so to speak, you know, when it definitely positively has to be there overnight. Federal Express, you know, that, that was the whole thing that everybody was talking about. It, it became this, this name that, that was a household name. And right when I came on, they purchased another company called Flying Tigers. Anybody here remember Flying Tigers? One person out of this entire crowd. That's what I thought. You see, there. They've been integrated into our system. Because when we hired them on, we hired them on. But the thing about it was is this opened up uh, a Federal Express to the entire world. We, we didn't really buy uh, the Flying Tigers' name. We bought their, 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 their routes, their, air, the, their airplane routes, so we could get into all these other countries. That all of a sudden, we had access where we had never had access before. But now we took on this new responsibility of all these people that were coming into our uh, business. And, and they brought these men and some of them, uh, women in, some of them liked it and some of them didn't, you know, they wanted to do things their own way, but, but you gave them enough time. And so Federal Express, they said, you know what, we're going to let you keep your seniority. We're going to let you keep all your vacation. We're going to let you, they they made it a, a sweet deal for these people. And a lot of these people had, they came in from flying tigers into Federal Express and all of a sudden it bumped some of our people kind of back a little bit. Which made some of our, you know, ruffled some of the feathers of some of the folks that, that actually had been working here already when, when they, they got bumped down in seniority and, and, but it was a sweet deal for these people from Flying Tigers. But here's the thing. They couldn't operate the way that they used to operate it for Flying Tigers and they didn't get to keep their old uniforms. They had to come to work every day and do the things the way that Federal Express taught them to do it. They had to dress in Federal Federal Express's uniforms. They couldn't wear the old uniforms as much as they may have liked it, as, as loyal as they may have been. They came in and they had to adopt our ways in order to become successful. Many of them did. It turned out to be a good thing. And so Nebuchadnezzar's thinking, hey, this ought to be a good thing because I'm taking them out of this place and I'm going to bring them into a place uh, that the whole world wants to live here. They're going to be able to be a part of the most beautiful palace. They're going to be able to be right here in the middle of the gardens that I've uh, created, everything about this place. Everybody wants to be here. Why wouldn't they? And for the most part, that's what happened. People just integrated right on in. People got wrapped up in Babylon. They got wrapped up. They they said, alright, if if you'll teach me your ways and feed me your food, I've never had this food back in Jerusalem where I was at. I've got things here that I, I never could have access to back there. And all of a sudden, they just bought into Babylon because the people said, hey, it's the gateway to the gods. Well, let me in on some of that. I'll take me some of that. This is better than where I came from. But there were four young men that didn't forget the language that they had been taught from a child. Hey, you you may call it the gateway to the God. You may think this is a good deal, but I know where I stand, and I'm not confused about who I am, and I'm not confused about where I am. I may be in the midst of your confusion, but I can see clearly. I can see clearly through the confusion. Nebuchadnezzar had a plan. Just need three years. Three years to teach them. Three years to show them, impress them. Three years of showing them how to worship the gods of Babylon. Look what I have to offer. Who in their right minds will ever turn this down? And yet as Daniel's sitting down to his very first meal, his first meal in the king's palace, he makes a decision that would define his years in Babylon. I'm not saying that that it's always going to be easy to make the right decision. That you don't walk out and the world doesn't offer you some things that looks awful good. When God says, hey. You know what? You're never going to feel right at home here. The world put their arm around you try to make you just feel comfortable and at home and like you fit in. But God's word doesn't always just go by what our flesh desires. God's word can sometimes rub our flesh the wrong way. But I promise you this. If you'll stay in his word, you won't be confused. If you stay in his word, you won't be sucked in. If you stay in his word, you'll never lose your identity. Because if you stay in his word, you'll continue to speak his language. And as long as you speak his language, you'll know the facade that's being set before you is not real at all. But it's just a place of confusion that will lead to destruction. How many of those young men, I wonder, understood the same language that Daniel understood. How many of them had committed themselves to God the way Daniel had committed himself to God and yet when they were offered the temptation when when they were offered this this great offer that was set before them, how many of them began to think, "Well, it's just one little thing. It's not that big of a deal. I'll just eat at the king's table. I don't want to be rude." But I'm telling you something today. There's some things in the life of every child of God where you got to draw a line, honey. And if you step across that line, you're going to step into confusion. You'll begin to speak a different language, but if you draw the line and say, this is as far as I'm going. I'm not going any further. You'll never be confused. Right. Living in this world. Daniel's living in the gateway of the gods. Or so said the Babylonians. You know, the world always tries to make it sound better than it actually is. You hear what I'm saying to you today? They'll paint it up real pretty. They'll make it sound like everybody's doing it. Make it sound like everybody desires it. And that you're crazy if you're one of the few that don't. And I guarantee you, Daniel heard the same thing. Daniel, what are you doing, man? You're kind of making us all look bad. Uh, Where everybody else is doing it, you're not the only prince that they brought in to the king's table. The rest of us are here. Don't stir things up. Don't cause any problems. We got it too good here. You're going to blow a good thing. Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, they said, I don't care what the rest of you all do. You go right ahead and eat the king's meat. You go right ahead and learn the king's language. You go right ahead and put his clothes on. You go right ahead and act like the rest of them. But I'm telling you this one thing. It won't be too long till he's got you bound down to a different God. You'll be bound down and worshiping different gods and I know today the idolatry in the same way that they did it back then. We don't go to a temple where we worship some stone image. We're smarter than that but there's a God of convenience out there. Amen. There's a God of all kinds of different things that's not made of stone but you're worshiping them just the same. Anything that comes before God in your life is an idol and we need to stay away from it because when we began to let things down and worship idols it's not long before we're Confused about everything. Daniel was a Hebrew boy. He never forgot who he was. He never forgot who he came from. He never forgot the God that he was committed to. He had been brought up in the city of Jerusalem, not Babylon. Oh, yeah, Babylon had more things than Jerusalem might have had, but But there was something special about Jerusalem. There was something special about his heritage. I love people that don't forget their beginnings. You've heard it said you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. Let me tell you something. I didn't start wearing these just when I moved back down south here. I took some heat, didn't I, babe? One guy tells me I'm sitting on a platform he leans up. He says, I, I like you. I said, Oh yeah, really? Why? And he said, uh, I figure you, you must have guts. And I'm like, okay, you peak my entrance. Why would you, uh, why would you say that? He said, anybody that's set up on this platform in front of 3000 young people that are out there in a pair of cowboy boots. I said, I, you got to have some guts to do that. Let me tell you something. I haven't forgot where I came from. I haven't forgotten who the God that I served in my younger years. And let me tell you something else. I've been had I've had some things handed to me. I've had some things put before me. I've had some temptation. Just like every last one of you, uh, take this job or do this thing or or, or go to this place or or, or 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 let down on this. But I'm telling you this much right now, just because, amen, I was taken out of the country a little bit doesn't remember doesn't mean that I forgot where I came from. I still remember the God that I served. It's the same God that saved me when I was a little boy. It's the same God that's keeping me as a 52-year-old man. He's not changed, and I'm not confused about who I'm serving, and I will stand on his word and on his promises. He's living in what everybody says is the gateway to the gods. So he's presented with a choice. I would think for most people, It was a very confusing time. Here he was in the most beautiful, powerful city in the world, surrounded by all these gods, everything and everybody. Just beck and call. If he wants grapes, snaps his fingers. Huh. Royalty. I'm at the king's table. I've got everything. Access to practically everything the k- the king has access to. The only problem is the king is immoral. The king is not. Uh, doesn't serve the the one true and living God. The king is an idolatrous pagan. Careful. Be careful who you give your allegiance to. Not everybody that's powerful and famous has got your best interest at heart. When most people would have given anything to live like Daniel lived, Daniel said no. And I believe that one of the reasons why he said no and why he was not confused because he remembered what the name of Jerusalem meant in the Hebrew tongue. He's living now in the gateway of the gods if you say it in the language of the world but he said you brought me out of the city of Jerusalem which means foundation of God. And I'll take the foundation over the gate any day. Amen, I want the foundation because I know the cornerstone of this foundation is Jesus Christ. Amen. It wasn't a confusing time for him. He had a crystal clear vision about who he was. He had a crystal clear vision of who his God was. And Daniel chose that moment to take a stand. He said, you have brought me far enough. You have brought me all the way to this table. And you've offered me a whole lot. And for that, I, I, I say thank you for all those offerings that you've, that you've given me. All these opportunities. But, but thank you for as much as I say thank you for all that. I've got to say no. I Stop right here! I'll not eat at your uh, your meat. I'll not uh, do what you say. I'm I've got a prayer time that's scheduled for just not too long from now, and I got to get up there and pray because there's some things that you cannot change about somebody. Amen. That is committed to the cause of Christ. What right. a music come today! From his very first meal, Daniel established a pattern. A clear pattern to live by. That's why it didn't matter. Well, Daniel, I'll tell you what, it's gonna matter now because we're gonna take you down to the lion's den. He said, You do what you gotta do, but I'm not changing who I'm serving. I'm not changing my prayer time for anybody. I'm not changing my commitment to the God that I know is the one true and living God of the Hebrews. You're not gonna change my mind. You may bring me into a place that is confusion to everybody else and you may change a lot of other people's minds, but you're not gonna change my mind because I can see beyond the thin veil, which is the key to the success of every Christian that's ever walked from the time of Daniel until today. is to be able to see things through the Word of God, through the lens of the Holy Ghost. Because if you can't see things clearly for what they really are in God's sight, you'll get caught up and think that there's nothing better than what the world has to offer. It won't be long before they'll blow the trumpets and you'll bow your knee to a piece of stone or an idol you'll bow your knee church all of a sudden won't see, seem so convenient anymore. Church won't seem so important anymore. Your relationship with God and your time spent with him will seem like, it, it, you know what, it, I'm just not feeling it the way that I used to feel it. It's no wonder because we're giving other things our time. Confusion sets in. It's hard to think clear when your mind is all confused, but when you focus focus on him oh magnify the Lord with me let us exalt his name together hmm. one instance one act of disobedience caused Daniel to be hauled away and lowered down into him. Place where everybody else lost their life. They lowered Daniel down. The next morning, the king ran down to see what was taking place. The king said, Daniel, are you in there? And he said, Oh, yes, I am. And thank God the Lord has sent his angels to be with me and it has shut the mouth of the lions. And I'm safe, O King. And the King brought him up and things changed from that moment on. Not just for Daniel's life, but for an entire kingdom. Sometimes it takes a young person that will be willing to take a stand and take some heat. We won't talk about heat. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took some heat. Literally. But when you're walking with God in that fire, there's a beautiful thing about it. They didn't feel the heat. They didn't feel it. The only thing that happened in that place was the things that had them bound, burned off of them and they were released to walk around in the middle of that fiery furnace, unharmed, insomuch that when they walked out, the Bible declares that they didn't even smell like smoke. Would you stand today? I wonder in this place, God been dealing with some of you in a way where he's put you in a place that's made you uncomfortable and you feel like I don't know if I'm up for this task. God, it seems to me like you're asking a whole lot. What what would be the what would be the difference if I just didn't go one time to that window and point myself towards the east and and pray that three times a day. What if I just cut it down to two times a day? Well God I I believe understands that if you're willing to cut it down to two times a day you'll be willing to cut it down to one time a day and then it'll be once a week and then once a month. Before long it won't even exist anymore. There's something to be said about young men and young women and people of God that are willing to say no more. There's something that unifies everyone that has that mentality and it's this. They're not caught up in the confusion. They're not swayed by offerings. They're not swayed by money. They're not swayed by a job. They're not swayed by a relationship. Their focus is on God and they refuse to learn a new language that would confuse their old language. God's speaking to some folks here today. He's calling you to take a stand. He's calling you to not forget who you are and what you know. More importantly, who you know. The world's been trying to whisper in your ear, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You've got plenty of time. If you decide to to make some changes later on down the road, don't worry about it. We can always get around to that. The problem is tomorrow never comes. And the entire time you're just living in confusion and you live in it too long, it's easy to forget the way home. It's easy to forget how to speak that language that God gave you.